Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. Where and where we offer up all things horror, movies, books, comic books, television, music, video games. We're gonna cover it all. Uh, I'm Craig Ranallo. I am Melanie Moore. Or Mel Moyer. I forget what I said last time. <laughs> I'm one of those so works. glad that you're tuning in. This is episode two. Um, where we are going to discuss horror misfires. Oh, yeah. uh, things that did not land, that maybe were expected to. Franchises that completely lost control. And anything else that we can think of that just kind of made us go, what the fuck? So, um, <clears throat> just so you know, kids, there are still 70 days till Halloween. If you listened to our first <laughs> episode and you were thinking, there were 70 days till Halloween during that episode, you would be correct, you little bitch. <laughs> when you hear this, there's probably going to be less than 70 days. Yeah. We're recording this is this. a time machine podcast. This is a time machine podcast. Yeah, at the time of this podcast. And we're recording this on the same day. Also, if you stuck around and listened to our entire episode, uh, thank you. It, it <laughs> ran a little long, but this is slap chatter, so there's going to be a lot of chatter. Buckle in. Correction on the, I think I actually gave the wrong email to at the end. Um, oh. Which I'll pro- I probably already tweeted or cor- a correction when we put up the podcast, but it is splatterchatter666 at gmail.com. I think I just told you splatterchatter at gmail.com. That is somebody else who is not that is using that email. Who's not using that email. But has it. So just to reiterate, if you want to say words, um, And we would love it if you do. Yes, please. Validation is, is always appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> Attention, We're validation. We're millennials. We need online validation. What is... Well, we have FOMO. <laughs> or we'll have FOMO. Oh, boy. Oh, but, boy. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's dive into episode two, Horror Misfires. Mel, I know you definitely had something you wanted to make sure we get to. You want to start with... Um... <laughs> the, the first thing I had on my list? Yes. So... I say paranormal activity, you say grown. Usually. <laughs> Usually. I want to remind everyone, though, that's not how it started. It's not how it started. Let's journey back. Let's this is, journey a, back this to... is a time machine podcast. Let's journey back to 2007. Mm-hmm. Oh, got him. In which uh, paranormal activity first graced our screens. So, this is a film, first of all, keep in mind, this is the most lucrative film of all time. Based on net return of box office. Because it cost them, I think it was like $5,000 to make. It oh, made yeah. like almost $2 million at the box office. Of which they kept most of it. Because it was it was an indie film. It was mm-hmm. filmed in, in uh, Oren Pelly's house. Like they just, he got out of his house for a week. Put these two people in it. They filmed all their stuff. Kind of similar to Blair Witch. Um, that I explained on last podcast. But not nearly as... As me- as like uh, method acting as that was, yeah. but yeah, basically it cost them only a couple thousand dollars to make. It was an indie film. Um, it, it got the attention of I Bloomhouse. Who was the Paramount? Paramount. Paramount. Yeah. Um, and when that happened, actually, if you have the original DVD of Paranormal Activity, you can see the original ending in which um, 
Katie just kills herself on camera, and that's the end of that. But when Paramount got a hold of it, they wanted... Which is, which is really disturbing. <laughs> it is very disturbing, um, and probably the better ending, but Paramount got a hold I, of it, and they were like, give us sequel fodder, so the ending was left a little more open-ended in the theatrical release. But I'm going to see, if we, if I can, we can find that ending on YouTube or something, we'll, we'll put a link up yeah. for yeah, people there's, I think to check out. There's a couple different endings that you can see. There, I think there might even be four, but that's like the original one that people saw when this was in um, film festivals and that sort of thing. This was yeah. that was how the movie ended. When it got its theatrical wide release, the ending was the one that we know, where she throws Mika into the camera and then it like fades to black. That, or what that's happens. yeah. Um, but where was I going with this? So yes, Paranormal Activity is one of the first films that utilized the demand it um, uh, method of marketing, which is kind of similar to um, Blair Witch. And it's a viral marketing campaign where basically the film didn't get a wide release in the typical sense. It was basically city by city as interest in it grew. So you had to go online and go on to demand it and click demand it, TM. <laughs> I drew a trademark TM. symbol. A finger child. Um, if you know that joke... <laughs> Please tweet at us and let us know. That you know that joke. You we, get brownie points. We want to we be friends with you. <sighs> but anyway, so City by City, it was released. Um, as people heard more about it, it was basically word of mouth. Um, and you could demand a release of it in your city. But it's basically, for those of you who haven't seen it or stayed away from it or what have you, it's a found footage film, which I know, again, causes people to groom. But, um, well, it, now. But now it time. does. It, at the time, this thing no was literally the scariest I mean, fucking thing you could watch at the time. And people forget that. Like, Paranormal, even the trailer for Paranormal Activity was horrifying. Like, this was well, a, they were They were toting it as, like, the scariest film ever. It was, and, I know, and I know we see that, you know, at least mm. once a year. This is the scariest film ever. But this, is, this was kind of something that everybody believed was going to be the scariest Among film. the things that get called that every year, this is probably the thing that has the most right to be, even if erroneously referred to as the scariest film of the past 20 years. Because this is a film that utilize, completely utilized tension and suspense. Like, for the first 45 minutes of this film, nothing happened. There weren't even jump scares. Like, literally nothing happened. It's just, you're watching these people sleep on a very poorly rendered, by the way, nighttime camera. <clears throat> that was one of the things we actually talked about in my broadcasting film class, is the use of the blue filter to, t to denote nighttime. <laughs> Okay, because that's how nighttime works. Because that's how nighttime works. But, point but is, hey, every time that happened, and every time that screen... It's an iconic shot now. I mean, I, I you got nervous. Like You, you got nervous. It's reaction. an iconic shot. Like, Seeing the night number dot 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 is like an iconic thing now. Mm -hmm. And it was very scary. Just even watching these people sleep. Maybe there would be a night when nothing would happen. they just toss and turn in the morning, they'd wake up, and you're still like, that was really creepy. Because like, you, you're invasive. You're, you're, you are the home invader at this point because you're the camera. Um, and then things start to happen, you know, like sheets move, people stand up and sleepwalk and all this creepy stuff. And that's a, probably a facet of it that people ignore is like the creepy shit that happens when you sleep. Like I make right. this joke a lot because I am a very restless sleeper. Um, I am very like fitful in my sleep. And I was joking that I want to, like, film myself when I sleep because I want to see all this weird shit that people say I do in my sleep. But I was like, no, because <laughs> you I don't want to see something else. I don't want to see any paranormal camp. activity shit. I'd rather not know what goes on while I sleep. Yeah. So I think that's part of the draw of this film was that this is what happens while you sleep. 
and this is what happens when you've got a very static, emotionless, passive eye on you while you're asleep in your bed in your own home. Um, it didn't show the monster. It showed various facets of it. It showed what it could do, but it never once showed you its face, its form, its anything, which was brilliant. Um, the closest we ever got was the, that terrifying sequence with the footprints. With the footprints, yeah, because they put out powder to try yeah. and catch evidence of it, which they did, and you see this weird inhuman footprint, but that's about it. And, like, think about that. I can remember when those footprints showed up in the theater and I was it was like very much like <gasps> clutch the pearls like <laughs> the pearls. that was terrifying and it wasn't <laughs> even a footprint of like an animal you recognized either because it kind of no. looked like a three like a chicken but it also looked like a like a hooves it was like like a hoof claw yeah combination like, it wasn't good it was, it, it was not a footprint that I, I don't want to see any footprints first of all second of all let alone in my house let alone those footprints um but yeah, like you, it was such a well, and I remember my sister saw the trailer, even just the trailer. I forget what movie it was with. There was actually a trailer on some DVD for Paranormal Activity. I should watch all every single one of my DVDs to see which one Figure it was on. But she was telling me, and she like had to sleep with the lights on for a week, and she actually watched the movie and was her and her husband completely petrified of of the whole whole. Luckily, they hadn't had kids by that point because that could have gone very well. But um. <laughs> Yeah, like she was so terrified. And this is a woman who, when she was 18 or whatever, however old she was when Paranormal Activity came out, walked out of the theater because she, or not Paranormal Activity, Blair Witch, walked out of the theater because she thought it was so stupid, is terrified of Paranormal Activity. Like, I think that says something. Um, and me, somebody who loves Blair Witch, I'm clutching my pearls at, at my sister <laughs> having, first of all, why would you walk out of a movie? Even if you hate it, you paid for it. Go watch it. Right? Like, but, <clears throat> I've never understood that. But, but uh, um, that's a digression. Anyway. So, yeah. this is me proving to you that Paranormal Activity, outside all of its sequels, was a really good horror movie. A really good movie, period. Very well rendered. Very good at using emotion and, and tension and basically making you the ultimate captive audience. Like, you can't be passive while watching Paranormal Activity. You have to, whether it's your blood pressure or your heart rate or the fact that you're squirming in your seat, you have to engage with it. Um, and that was brilliant. And even the second one was. was pretty good. The way they tied it into the first one was very well done. And the way they changed up the way they were doing the found footage. Because that connection to the first one doesn't come until the very end. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, shit. And that's when it's made clear yeah. um, how, we're, how we're tied into the first one. Yeah. Because um, it's a prequel, technically. Yeah, which you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you, you don't realize that they at, pulled, at first. They do this brilliant thing where you spend the whole time thinking it's a sequel and it, it's actually not. It's an explanation of how, well, I guess uh, how, how the first one came, how to, the first one came be. about. And then at the very end, we're it kind goes of like running currently. Yeah. And then we go past the, it's like of the dance of dragons. If you've read game of thrones, uh, where, yeah, where it's yeah. current with feast for crows. And crows at the very and end goes, goes past. past. That's a, uh, Paranormal Activity is the Game of Thrones of the horror world. Oh, boy. But, yeah, so the first one, excellent. The second one, even very good as a sequel. Like, utilized this, what it was very well. Like, wasn't a stupid sequel. Like, used itself to explain some things, built the mythology. Basically did what you're supposed to do in a sequel. Third one is where we start. The fact that there was a third one, first of all. Even the fact that there was yeah. a second one. But third one is where we start to... <laughs> 
which is our straight up prequel. We lose balance. Um, yeah. You know, very obvious about that. And that's when things got wonky. So the first <laughs> problem I have with Paranormal Activity 3, for those of you who have seen it, um, or those of you who haven't seen it, basically Paranormal Activity is about a family, a two, a young adult couple that just thinks, you know, they're, they're, they've had some poltergeist activity. The young, the woman in the couple says, um, you know, it's been going on since she was a child and it kind of tweaks her out. So her obnoxious boyfriend decides to get a camera and a Ouija board and like film it and fuck with it because he doesn't believe in it. And then stuff starts to escalate. These people have clearly never seen a horror movie before because you never <laughs> fuck with a Ouija board. They are white, first of all. Problem number yeah, one with the Ouija board. There are good white point. people in a horror movie. So. Um, so doomed to make stupid decisions until the end of time. <laughs> So it escalates to the point where um, Katie, the 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 girl, because that's the other thing too, is Paranormal Activity only had four characters in the whole movie. Two of them only had like three lines, and then they were gone. It was just the couple. So Katie, the woman in the couple, um, ends up possessed by the end by this demon creature who's been haunting her since childhood, and she kills her boyfriend. And in the second one, it's about her sister, who is mentioned a couple times in the first one, and about how her sister was actually, plot twist, spoiler, was being haunted in her house by this thing, and then used a, a kind of spell or folk magic to transfer the, the possession onto Katie, and that's where we got paranormal activity from, is because her sister kind of thrust this demon onto her sister, and she went about her life. Off. Pawned it off, but at the end, everyone ends up dead because Katie's possessed and killing everyone. Yeah. And everything's all fucked up, and <clears throat> there's this moment where it's, at the end where it's like, oh, why was the demon so focused on yeah. the other sister? Well, because he wanted... He wanted the baby. He, uh, the baby. Yeah. Uh, so he, this, this He wants the boy. Yeah. Um, first the boy... Yeah, the, the first I don't even know if they, I can't even if they get into that. Yeah, until, they don't get into they that get into in the, the second one. It's the third one. So the third one goes even he wanted, he wanted farther, yeah. farther so back in time. To their kids. <laughs> their kids, their children. It's VHS tapes because it's like the 80s. And it's about how they were first haunted by this thing. And, there was, and it's alluding to things that happened when they were children. Like um, they don't really have memories of things. Their parents died. They were raised by their grandmother who ends up being part of this cult that worships this demon that wants the firstborn male son of a generation, which just happens to be um, the, the older sister's kid in the second one and it gets this is where it gets complicated and stupid basically because if this sounds really confusing stupid. that's because it is um right. yeah <laughs> i will say they're, they're trying to do they want this mythology to it and, and there's this this cult and these witches and this this ritual and you know what we've they're been talking about like why 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 the boy why this family and the, the demon's and, named too at this point they call him toby yeah, which has which suddenly becomes like canon. In and I don't any know. in any other situation, that would have been creepy as fuck. In this, it's just annoying at this point because you're uh, you're giving too much of a face to, I to don't this, even, it's this too, entity. I, I think they were trying to do a cute little nod to The Shining, but it did it doesn't work. Danny, um, you guys couldn't see me doing the Danny finger. <laughs> yeah, we're doing the Danny finger. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Torrance. Um, but but this kind of mythologizing really is hard to do with found footage 
And especially when you decide in your sequels to go back in time, because you've already locked yourself in, because you've established what the characters remember, what happened mm-hmm. already in the present day, in the first two. Now going back in time, you've confined yourself into this cage of what we already know. Like You can add some things in, which they do, but there's but still we know. no surprises, because we know there was a fire. Exactly. We know their parents died. We know that they were raised by their grandparents and all this other stuff. And even just the basics, we know these two girls, regardless of what freaky shit's going on, they're going to be okay because they become grown yeah, women. Because they because they survive into adulthood. Yeah. So so any new character, why should I care about these people? And at any this new point? character we're introduced to, we know is going to be dead by the end because we haven't met them or heard yeah. them mentioned in in things. So that like, and I so appreciate the movie. fact that they were like, okay, let's go back in time with this and kind of do the sequel differently. But you're you're forcing yourself into this cage of what the audience and the characters already know based on time. You know, like you can't go back in time too much because there's no surprises. We know who survives, who doesn't. And in any other situation, yes, that would create tension, kind of like Star Wars prequels, where it's like you know what becomes of Anakin and Obi Wan and all this stuff. In here, where you want to thrive off of surprises, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It. it- it just, they fell into this trap that a lot of horror movies tend to do now, this obsessive need for backstory mm-hmm. to... Which I think you can honestly trace back to Halloween. <laughs> I, it could be. It could mm-hmm. be. Um, yeah. Halloween too. Um, still a really good movie, but... But that was we, the first time we really focused but, on backstory and Yeah, and we lose some of the, the tension because... Now it's like, oh, it couldn't happen to you because he's he's targeting this one specific person and here's the reason why. Mm-hmm. And it takes away a little bit of that fear from the original because it was completely random. And that's uh, where I guess you have to ask yourself too, like what is it you want? Do you want the backstory and the mythologizing or do you yeah, want some the, people the questions? Yeah. Me, and I think, you know, you too, Mel, yeah. we tend to fall into the camp of the questions are going to scare us more than the answers. Yeah. Your, your imagination is so much more terrifying than, than what somebody could put on screen. And Um, I I think the exact same thing happens with this franchise and specifically so much in paranormal activity three is that it's kind of like, okay, well this demon's not going to hurt me because I'm not from a family of of X amount of generations of women. And I don't have a a newborn son that might be the target. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so. then, so we finish with Katie and whatever her sister's name. I forget her sister's name. Oh, who Christy? The hell? Christy, no. I think. Was it Chris? Yeah. Kate. First of all, you named your kids Katie and Christy. You named your white, right? your white daughters, daughters Katie and Christy. Katie That's problem Christy, number one. Which means you essentially just <laughs> marked them to get. <laughs> Hence why we move into Paranormal Activity, the marked ones. Actually, Paranormal Activity <laughs> for... Paranormal Activity 4 came first. Now, this is one that moved forward. Um, And this one was... I will give it merit in the fact that it confundled me in the beginning because I was trying to figure out what was going on. Because they trip you up about 
because this basically is the son. We've got a new family. We have a new family, and you understand that at some point, some one of the boys, there's two young boys in this movie. One of them is the adopted son of this family. The other one is a neighborhood boy who just moved in. You know one of them is the the nephew, the son that gets kidnapped at the end of Paranormal Activity 2. Um, but, uh, Hunter. Hunter. But they yeah. make it very confusing as to which one it is. And the trailer leads you to believe that it's the new boy who moved in, who moved in with... Katie, because Katie has now moved in across the street. Now, we'll say that was a horrifying moment when they go to explore the house across the street. They turn the corner and Katie's right there. And you're like, well, and now she's like, gone. Oh, shit. And you see how it. Yeah. And once again, we're connecting. Yeah. And you're like, OK, well, now this girl's going to die because there's Katie. Um, Katie. So it was it was it kept my interest in that way because I'm like, all right, what's going on here? One of these boys is Hunter. It turns out the adopted boy. And they don't really explain how this happened. I guess Katie kidnapped Hunter and then put him up for adoption for some reason. You know, they... Because <clears throat> oh the boy, um, Hunter, is the family's adopted son. And the daughter starts to realize this. I will say, the best character from this film is the girl's boyfriend. Amazing <laughs> character. Beautiful totally human agree. being. He is precious cargo. <laughs> I totally agree. He dies. Um, that's the, that, that might be he might be the one thing that saves this uh, movie. Ben was his name. Yeah, Ben. He is great. He is such like the the traditional horror movie uh, secondary character that you love. Um, but anyway, so basically, how this this girl is investigating, trying to figure out her brother's origins, realizes Katie's bad news. Eventually, she gets lured into the house across the street where said cult that we are introduced to in the third one attacks her, takes her brother. And that's that. Um, and, and yeah, and that's... And... and then we get to... Now we're getting off into spin-offs. Like, the spin-offs. Which... Uh, we've moved on now fuck, to... Fuck them because... Paranormal Activity, the Marked Ones, which is the fifth film in the series, was promoted as being... Having nothing to do with the others. But... That it was going to be a standalone rip-off. But and then you know in, was like, in, in Scream 4 when they talk about Stab... Was it Stab 4 or Stab 5 that utilized time travel? Uh, yes. One There's of that them joke did. at the beginning of <laughs> Scream 4. And yes, I think it's like Stab 5, they say, was the worst one because it used time travel. Surprise. It's supposed to be a joke supposed about to be a joke. how, you know, horror franchises can quickly delve into the ridiculous plot twist... Paranormal activity, and... the marked ones, <laughs> connects itself to the main series because of time travel. So, Which I guess we shouldn't be that mad about because we just told you this is a time-traveling podcast. But... <laughs> as far as we are concerned, there are 70 days until Halloween. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, so, like, and the thing I appreciated about the beginning of this is it kind of reminded me a little bit of Record or Wreck, or however you want to say it, where you've got this, like, I love the fact that they focused on a Latino family, because I love the fact that they're like, okay, people of color representation in this horror film, all the main characters were of some sort of Latino descent. I thought that was really cool. I was like, great, like, this yeah. is awesome. Like, you're not relegating them to, like, the, the secondary character who knows some kind of weird mystical voodoo. Like, are you... Well, like uh, the housekeeper. From yeah, the, second... the housekeeper in the second one. Consuela, she, basically, they, in the second one. The whole reason the, the spell works um, to, to move the demon is because, you know, the housekeeper is Latino. And, of course, you know, all Latino people are superstitious. And it's kind of like this really offensive 
portrayal yeah. of that. No, it's a total of trope of, in- of folk magic in, in indigenous people. This one, we're focusing on an entire... It's much com- more rounded. It's much more rounded. It's an entire community. It's this kid's high school graduation party. It's great. It's fun. Like, the characters are actually pretty well put together. But he... His neighbor, I guess, based, I haven't seen it in a while. His neighbor... I just saw it once in theaters. ...goes so. missing or is Let's murdered see. or something, and they decide to break into the apartment to investigate, and things get really weird. Um, There's, like, the secret passages. They go under the floor and stuff or yeah, whatever. They, yeah, and, and they there's somebody in the apartment at one point, but I don't yeah. think we ever find out who it is. Um... Eventually, there's they they. We come to learn that that there's this door, and there's and it's terrible. Of it's course. terrible. Basically, Bad what ends up happening happening because of the door he's like slowly becoming possessed and he and basically it ends with him getting transported forward in time or what have you to or, the, or, or sideways in time sideways you know, it could clear. be a lost thing who knows yeah um basically into katie and mika's house in the first one where we're at the very end of the first movie where mika Here's runs downstairs and he has a tussle with something that we can't see turns out it's this kid is this kid which you know you're led to believe through good old context clues back in the first one is just him tussling with whatever th- demon the demon we see or, or, or Katie or something when she was possessed. No, turns out it's this kid. Yeah. Hec- Oscar? Hector. Ah. One of them was named Hector, one of them was named Oscar. I forget which one. Yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not being... Or Jesse. We're not being a little bit racist. We just... No, remember. I'm trying to... I, I saw this movie once, and I'm trying to remember uh, the character. I me think too, Jesse, because it was Jesse, really bad, so I never wanted to watch it again. I think Jesse is the main character. <clears throat> and then his friend is Hector... Um, and then they have a girl, and his sister, and, and his sister's involved. And there's no Marisol. real explanation for no, why no. this door made him show up in their house, yeah. and and what, and why there even was a connection. We should also point out the the poor man's Deathly Hollows symbol that gets <laughs> utilized. I don't remember if it's in this one or in um, the third one. It's basically the Deathly Hollow symbol without the vertical this- line. Yeah. Is literally what it is. But, um, yeah, and it was interesting because they used some creepy tactics. Like, there's a Simon Says game at one point that that starts basically communicating with him through the Simon Says game, which is really creepy. You know, it's well done because it looks like somebody's home movies, unlike what they were trying to do in the third one, mm. where they wanted to make it look like somebody's home movies. But it, was but it looks just, way too professional. Yeah, but so this was... This was until tri- time travel, I was willing to get on board with this, um, and I loved a lot of things about it. But you're, like the fact that you felt yeah. the need to introduce time travel is a problem for me, on <laughs> principle. <clears throat> and then they weren't done. No, they should have been because there was one more. Um, because you might be thinking to yourself, "How? What more to the story is there?" What a great question! Oh, we've got the answer. Productivity, the ghost dimension. Ghost Dimension, Alternatively known. sixth and final film. Yeah. Knock on wood, you guys. Seriously, <laughs> knock really hard because I can't do another one. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, the final film in the franchise and without a doubt the worst. Uh, another spinoff, basically, I think. Uh, kind of. So they said. 
Hunter right. appears. Hunter is there, so is it technically a spinoff? Yeah. You know, well, it's the same way with, over the with the marked ones where you think it's a spinoff and then it connects. Right. But basically this one, the stupidest, it did the stupidest thing it could have done by utilizing the CGI to, to, to basically give you this, a, literally a ghost dimension, like this idea of what it looks like in this alternate universe where the demon and everyone comes from and it's like, dear God. Um, why? Why? Because as we have said, that's not scary. And just because it takes place around Christmas is not enough of a reason to draw me in. You know I love Christmas movies, but... <laughs> and I, Christmas horror movies. Yeah, Krampus. Krampus? When this Black is like Christmas, a, a Yumi... Silent Night, Deadly Night. Check them out, guys. But this, do not check out. And Avoid. this was like a Yumi and Dupree thing where this friend moves in with a couple and their daughter, too. Stop. Yeah. It's just none of it... None of it was necessary. None of it was necessary. It was it was over explanation. It was revealing too much. And there wasn't even it's clever scares. There was no clever scares. Um, like at least with the marked ones, I could say, okay, that was smart. This had nothing. That was this had nothing. And, nothing. And to nobody's surprise, when you're six films in. <clears throat> You, you don't end on a strong note. By the virtue of saying, <laughs> much like Supernatural saying they're, what, 11 seasons now? Oh, my God, 11 seasons. By the mere number know. alone. But I still love Supernatural. <laughs> I've never seen it, so I have no opinion. Um, but the point is, by the mere number alone, you should yeah. be asking questions of yourself. Yeah, you really should. And, but, um... and ultimately, that's the problem, is, is that the reason this is a misfire, or whatever you want to call it, is because the first one was so good, was yeah. so so well-crafted, and then it just completely ruined itself with its own progeny. It really did. So so Paranormal, paranormal Activity is an official Splatter Chatter Misfire franchise. Yep. Not the first one, the franchise as a whole. The franchise as a whole, Misfire, the first one, I implore you to look at it with tunnel vision because it is so, so good. Yeah. If you have never seen any of the, the Paranormal Activity movies, check out the first one. Give the second one a watch, too. And then <clears> stop. And then immediately just say, okay. It's like Terminator. Terminator. <laughs> Terminator like, to Judgment Day. And then there's nothing else. And then there's nothing else. Nothing else happened after that. <laughs> there we go. Terminator. Honorary uh, <laughs> mention here today. Yeah. Not quite a horror movie, but also not quite kind a horror of movie. freaky when it first came out. Yeah. I know my mother was scared of it for quite some time. Um, so. so. Okay. All right. Next one. So wanna... what else has misfired in the horror world? This well, intro is all you. You could argue that pretty much all of the horror, fran like great horror franchises that stick around for six, seven, eight nine plus movies they all end up being misfires and you would be right but let's look at like what really screwed the pooch you guys like, what really fucked up and i think we can't get through a misfire episode without talking about the friday the 13th franchise <laughs> if you watch amc in october at any point on any day between October 1st and October 31st, uh, you will understand why. You will understand why. It, 
You know, all right, so Friday the 13th, it's really one of the, the earliest stock and slashers we've got. It was definitely, the first one was definitely a Halloween ripoff. Um, but, but if you know anything about it, you know that um, the twist at the end is really what saved it from all yeah. the other the other knockoffs. Which the twist um, at the end still persists because like the beginning of Scream pointed out, a lot of people don't yeah. realize it. We have this huge legacy for the series of which Jason is the face, but many people forget that Jason is not the original killer. He's not even technically in in the movie. No, he's not. He's like a three-second uncredited cameo. Um, And yeah, this this, uh, little, um, I don't know, lesser-known horror trivia nugget is uh, the undoing of Drew Barrymore's character. At the very beginning of Scream. Um, she claims to have seen that movie ten fucking times, but in which she should know, as Ghostface points out. But anyway, so you got your first one, and it and it's like let's not confuse ourselves. It's it's not exactly the greatest movie in the world. Do I love it? Yeah, um, I watch it all the time. But that's mostly because of a nostalgia factor and a, sort of the iconic status it holds um, in the world of horror. Jason doesn't even show up until part two. He doesn't even wear the hockey mask until part three. And <sighs> since that moment where he took, you know, the, uh, the teen-killing mantle from Mommy Dearest in part two, this franchise has not stopped. Um, And this might be the biggest classic horror franchise of each movie being worse than the last. Um, Are they still fun? Yeah. They're pretty much all enjoyable movies, I would say. I think they carved out the niche, too, for summer horror and the idea of... Because that's the original summer camp horror. So, um, and when I think of summer, I want to watch Friday the 13th because I have a park by my house that I like to go running in. And every time I'm there, I think Friday the 13th, summer camp, They're great. <laughs> They're great for that. Yeah. Um, well, of course, and then until you get to the point when you got Friday the 13th, like eight, Jason takes Manhattan and we just leave Crystal Lake behind yeah. completely yeah. because yeah, let's send him to New York city. There's no That's way scary. ever stop him there, but apparently nobody does. And it's just, we're not even gearing up to the, the best part of the oh, sequels. Yes. <laughs> Jason is also, this this kind of happens with Michael and Halloween, and they offer a half-ass explanation as to why. But Jason, as the sequels go on and on, just he, he can't be killed. Mm-hmm. Why? Who knows? But I mean, he's hanged. He's shot. Rasputin he's, style. He's burnt. He is the Rasputin of Camp Crystal Lake. Nothing kills him. Um. They start throwing in psychic kids and uh, body jumping. The uh, part nine or whatever, where 
<laughs> Jason is like the little slug thing and he's like crawling <laughs> into people's bodies and to possess them. And it's like, what? What the fuck is that? Uh, and then it all it all culminates, you guys, in the tenth installment, Jason X. <sighs> and if you haven't seen Jason X, count yourself. If you haven't seen Jason X, then you clearly have ignored the past five years of AMC's <laughs> Oktoberfest marathon. You have. Because they play it once a day, seven days a week, for oh. some reason. They don't even play regular Friday the 13th. They just play Jason X. No, they'll, they'll maybe do it like once during the whole, yeah, the and, whole fest. And they claim that these are movies picked by viewers. I want to know and punch. Who's demanding that they see Jason <laughs> X every fucking day, every October? Because like, oh my God. It, 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 it's like 100 or like 100 or like 200 years in the future or something or whatever. And Jason has been cryogenically frozen. Because as I mentioned, you guys, you Walt can't kill. Walt Disney style. Walt Disney style. He's, he's sent into space or, or, or someone in space. He they looks, for, him and he also for, looks crazy weird. Like he's, a, he's like some kind of android looking right? thing. He doesn't even look like Jason. I mean, it's literally... When people joke about, like, oh, and the next installment will be in space. No, they actually did that with Friday the 13th. They yeah. sent Jason to space. And they still can't kill him in space. They, like, send him out into the vacuum of space and he, like, finds a way to come back mm -hmm. to the ship. Yeah. As, like, this, like, as nano uber Jason and stuff or whatever. I was like, oh, my God. Um, the crossover, the Freddy vs. Jason with Nightmare on Elm Street, and that, that is sort of a series, like, so I think we wouldn't have gotten the Friday the 13th remake if the crossover hadn't gone. So this is my thing with the crossover, and I drew well, this comparison with Batman vs. Superman, is it is a very 70s thing to do, to just kind of shamelessly cross your films, cross your franchises for a blank versus blank film and in that sense i'm okay with it because i'm like okay this is like a retro thing to do like even back into like the 30s like godzilla versus whatever you know like that's like a classic thing to do is pit horror film monsters against each other that i was mostly okay with i thought it was weird and kind of took away from freddy's scariness because of the two i'm much more terrified of freddy krueger than i am of jason yeah um but then, yes, we go into the Friday the 13th remake, starring that guy from Supernatural. Yeah, Jared Padalecki. Yeah. We'll circle back to Supernatural. <laughs> he stars in the remake. It's The one thing I'll say for the remake is that they make Jason um, very brutal and savage in a way that I feel like he had lost in a lot of the the sequels. He, I feel like I feel like Jason. He was always kind of just supposed to be like a silent, menacing, like the the, the quintessential slow walking, mm, um, like um, Night of the Walking Dead. Type yeah, of. like he, but he, but still always finds a way to catch up to you or yeah. whatever. <clears throat> like in It Follows, that's kind but, of yeah. But in the remake, he's like, uh, I remember this this scene from the opening. 
uh, sequence where it's it's um the campers the the kids that are going out to like to find the weed or whatever. And yes, weed is. <laughs> yeah, thing in weed, this because it was two thousand nine, so you know <laughs> weed. Um, and he he like runs out of the woods at one point and like swings his machete and like jumps over the fire and it's terrifying because he's like he's fast mm-hmm. and he's moving like the way you know I don't know a real life serial killer would do like actually chasing like actually a, the ability to do more like, than power walk instead of yeah the slow power walk where you somehow always catch well, up to and the thing people you're chasing miles away that's horrifying i think about the power walk and the fact is that they are so confident in their ability to catch you that they don't feel the need to run so that's the psychological that's the psychological fear. the logistics of that yeah, don't no don't work. hold up don't hold water or Don't wait or whatever really you want to call it. That. Um, <clears throat> and and Jason was always such the uh, the prototype of that. Yeah. So, but the remake, I mean, um, it it has its moments. It it you know it explores the backstory again a little bit. Um, it, it, but again, it's 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 almost too much backstory. You know, just. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a balance that I think was also the pitfall of paranormal activity is over-mythologizing. Because mythology, mythologizing of a series or a franchise or a film or what have you is a very delicate balance because people want that. They want to know the backstory. They want to know the interesting facets. But at the same time, you do it too much and you've inadvertently shown the monster. Right. Um, and that is a thing I think that ended up Although I find it, so the, one of the films that I think struck the balance pretty well was Friday the 13th, where they pointed out Freddy's backstory. His mother was a nurse at a mental asylum. She was gang raped. We don't know which one's the father. Like all these things are deep, complicated backstories, but they're things that make sense with his character and make it more horrifying because it's kind of like Voldemort, where he was the product of a love potion, essentially right. a love potion rape, and look what it look, look what it created. Look, right. With with Freddy Krueger, it's the same thing. You know, of course that would be his backstory. Something so horrifying as as that, um, and that I think struck a good balance because you see his mother at one point in the beginning of one of the films, and you see that scene where she's attacked and all these things, mm-hmm. and it's horrifying to watch, and it's even more horrifying at this point knowing that's what produced the man who became Freddy Krueger. Um, and that was such a good balance of here's the backstory, here's the mythology, but we're not going to go too far. Yeah, it has to be done right. It has to be balanced c- correctly. Yeah. Um, you can have a super interesting backstory for your your killer or your monster, but if it's not going to serve the current story, if it's not going to make us fear them more, yeah. why include it? Yeah. You know, um, they, they do it well with Freddy. Um, they don't do it too well. And with Michael and Myers, I think that's a... They I lost think control all, of that I a little bit. all of the, the backstory that Michael needed was in those first few moments of Halloween. Yeah. The first one. Like, I do appreciate the fact that Laurie, you know, the, the aspect that he's obsessed with her because of the genetic relationship and the fact that then she has kids who are then targeted by Michael. Like, that I do appreciate, but I also think in capturing the 
the the scary aspects of the original all you needed was that opening scene where like you know like 10 year old michael in his halloween costume brutally murders his own sister because he sees her having sex right you know and and i think that's all you needed in backstory of this this dude because all you needed to know is that it was random and he was crazy and it was halloween and it was halloween you know that's horrifying all the crazies come out on halloween yep <clears throat> like me and Mel. We have pictures. I well, they're oh. probably on Facebook. Of a few years ago, we went as purgers to Halloween to try and scare a friend who did not want to play along. But she did not want to play along. We had good masks and everything. We did, and then we went to a bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Um, I still have those actually in the back of my car. The That's machete, the machete, and, and everything. Also, better hope you don't get pulled over. <laughs> I crossed a border. <laughs> I went to with Canada a, with a plastic machete. Some plastic machete. Um, so yeah, but it, it, even through all of that, the fact that Jason went to space, the fact should that be space where we stop and say, "What are we doing?" Right. Uh, uh, it was. It's. It's too much. It's too much. So you know, first couple, great, but um, as a franchise, Friday the Thirteenth. Is an official splatter chatter misfire. Yes. And if you want to impress your friends who are very mainstream about the things they watch, let them know that Jason was not the original killer of Friday the 13th. Could save their life one day. Could save their life one day. Or at least, you know, get them extra points at bar trivia. (laughs) Was that a bar trivia question? (laughs) No, but I'm waiting for the day that it is. (laughs) All right. So, um, Um, do you want to go? I guess we'll do... Do you want to go into the song? Or? Yeah, let's yeah. let's let's tackle let's go into that. that. Alright. Next up, what went off the rails? Saw. Mm. Which is, you know, and this is a lot of things. This one is one of those things that started out kind of as an indie cult film that turned into this huge mainstream hit that people would go to How see. So. Because it- people love body horror and people love gore and i think it's because you're watching these people in these completely horrifying situations knowing i don't have to deal with that right and you love to watch well how are they gonna escape it i mean for me i know that's part of the thing is i love to look up how people died and saw like it's totally like sadistic and awful but part of you wants to engage in this whole well how are the what's the horrific death these people are going through that i can very passively deal with from my couch well, and there's this whole sort of r- interesting, fucked up, you know, like, moral code that gets introduced. Yes. Well, with, you have to choose between people at a certain point as well. Yeah. And and, <clears throat> and the decisions they have to make in the games and, and in the traps and this, this philosophy that Jigsaw has about people who aren't appreciative of their life and... The only and way you can appreciate your life is to to be confronted with the, brutal death and, and sacrifice to, to keep living. Yeah, and and this this way that this series works and that you can almost understand his it's so fascinating. His philosophy it's really fascinating because Jigsaw is a cancer patient who knows he's dying and it, says, it, "What will other people do to live?" 
What are mm. you willing to give up? What are you willing to go through to stay alive? And his idea is that if you don't, if you say, okay, I don't want to gouge out my eye to get that key that will unlock me from this death trap, then he will carve a jigsaw piece into your body to denote the fact that you have a missing piece. You're of missing you. something. You're missing the survival instinct because your life isn't worth your eye or your hand or what have you. And it's horrifying, but it's so fascinating from a psychological level because it's like, would you cut off your own leg to get out of a handcuff around your ankle? Would you claw a key out of your eye? Um, mm. And all these other things like that's, what, so what would it take? And and you as the viewer kind of get forced, like as each trap is presented to us, it, you deal with the question of would I do what they have to do? Or do I think I could do what they have to do in this specific trap to, to get out? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the first one was <clears throat> amazing. Like it, it blew up. It was so so like so, such a surprise success and it was and basically a student film it was one of the first things james wan ever did it was yeah. him and i forget um, the name of the screen lee winnell lee winnell uh, who played Tom's. adam in the film um they have many yeah. collaborations this was the first of them um and it was basically their first film the first film they did together um they wrote it, was, it it's insanely low budget it's insanely low budget he wrote it when he was still in college i believe yeah and then they produced it, and they got Carrie Elways to... And they got Carrie Elways to play um, What's Dr. Did, Gordon, yeah. um, who is uh, basically the main focus. It's brilliant because it's one of those... It's essentially kind of a locked room mystery. It's two guys in a bathroom with a time limit presented with, this is what you have to do if you want to survive this. Yeah. They don't know uh, and, how they got there. They don't remember anything. No, and we get we get some flashbacks as they remember things to other traps, and that was a, that was another interesting thing that they lo- kind of lose after the first one. There's su- such a detective aspect, yeah, in the first one where where we literally have the detectives, yeah, in the flashbacks who are trying to trying hunt to figure out how the hell they got in this bathroom. Yeah, and um, and. It, it's it's smart and it's tight and it's really tense because um, it wasn't so much later on that you know they kind of devolve into it's just like spectacle and gore yeah and it's how many different ways can we cut up the human body yeah but in the first one it, it wasn't so much about that it was it was more about the philosophy. It was like, why are you here? How are you going to get out of here? And then at the end, they're presented with a choice because they realize the entire time, because they've been trying to saw through their chains, they realize, oh my God, he wants us to saw That's through That's not his intention. He yeah. wants us to saw through our feet. And are you willing to do it? And are you willing to do that? Um, and the way it ends with the door closing and, and all that, it's just so... Cause Game over. There's such a crazy plot twist at the end that I don't want to give away. Yeah, um, that's there in front of you the entire time, and once it happens, you're like, "Holy shit!" Like it's so. It's like the first one is so well crafted. It's very good, and it's so very. good. Um, and then, <laughs> but of course, you know, this is an episode about misfires, and it definitely is one. I am one of those people where I, I really enjoy the second one. I like what gets added to the overall story. Um, 
that twist at the end I thought worked and I thought it would have been good to just kind of let it go. Yeah. As a, here's our little two part story. And then they kept going. (sighs) And that's when it kind of, they, they didn't, you know, directors were coming in and out and, and writers were coming in and out and, they did what they could to try and keep the story together and and push it forward and and evolve it, but it it became too convoluted. There was too much backstory about his wife and how he started developing the traps. And <clears throat> I think the original Jigsaw that you see in the first two could have been comparable to like the likes of Hannibal Lecter. If he had been left alone, because he was so creepy by himself, mm-hmm. all that we knew about him was enough to be to be scary, and everything that we saw was enough. It was such an ominous presence, and like everything, you over-explain, and I'm not scared anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about it. You can go back to the most basic thing. You're scared of the dark because you're scared of the unknown. Once you know, it's once not scary you know, anymore. What's, what's to be scary of anymore? And we, we end up finding out so much about... Jigsaw and his history and his wife and and the apprentices and how they became apprentices and and that's when the it, it focuses and the story is really just there to like give the viewers a break in between the mutilation. Yeah. Um and I'm not saying it's wrong to to to, to tune in for for gore gore fest. I hate the term torture porn. Um snuff film. A lot of that. people label it as that um well and the thing too is i think it it created its own feedback loop because it was presenting so much body horror and gore it created the situation um where you need to break it up and this is what happened and um and they were making them so fast it was it was one a year every single year from 2004 to 2010. So it's not like they actually gave themselves enough time to like, you know, really uh, flesh out some characters or, or some story here. And, you know, that was another thing. We'd get introduced to these characters and they would stick around with us for maybe two movies. Yeah. Usually they were dead by the end. So it was like, why do I care? Why do I care? Yeah. Um, which is, you know, you could say it's typical of most slasher franchises. Um, maybe Nightmare and Halloween being the exceptions. Um, yeah, with with Laurie and Nancy kind of continuing through the most of the well, and the, the way that series. works too in those is they're kind of like these mentor figures too at a certain point for these other generations. With this, you're trying to introduce people who you were claiming were there from the beginning, and it's like right, Ugh. it's like screen that, three. That's when it got like they just kept relying on like, oh, remember this thing you thought from the first one or the second one? Well, here's what was really happening. Because all their characters, good guys and bad, are all dead by the third one. So it's not, it's very much a case of the writing getting out of control. It's very much a case of, it was all just about how do we shock people as much as possible without any regards to, uh, Anything higher quality. Yeah. So Saw, as a franchise, is an official splatter chatter misfire. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. We get some <clears throat> for that. <laughs> we can try. <laughs> Alrighty. So, um, 
I would say an honorable mention here that I don't want to go into too in depth is probably um, Final Destination. Oh yeah. Um, just because that was such a chilling concept at the beginning, cheating death, and it coming back to get you, but then devolved into how many horrifying ways can we make these people die? Can we make these people die? Um, and like in the most like ridiculous ways too. Yeah, like people like laser eye treatment and all sorts of weird yeah. stuff. <clears throat> but um just, just caught part of the third one on and TV. i guess another i'm gonna call it an honorable mention as well because i don't we haven't the movie's not out yet but i already know it's going to be a problem is that blair witch reboot sequel whatever you want to call it i don't even know yeah I, they're calling it a reboot they're calling it a reboot it's called just blair witch um it's about the brother of heather from the first one 20 million years later, I guess, discovering his sister's <laughs> he, movie. He suddenly decides, hey. And he literally says in the trailer, he's like, I think that's my sister. He decides with his buddies, one of which has purple hair. I retain that from the trailer. Somebody has purple hair. Um, decide to go into the woods to go look for her and obviously fall into the same traps that Heather and her original film crew fell into in Blair Witch. We don't need a Blair Witch sequel. We don't need a Blair Witch reboot. We We don't need anything. We Uh, had one of those. Shadows. And uh, didn't work. We left it alone. But um, but nobody learns. You know, nothing is. It it used to be that, like, The Exorcist was the one sacred thing in horror. Um, (laughs) You know, they did that that prequel in 2004 because they were going to remake it and they were like, hell no, don't do that. And, um,. Now we're going to have the TV show the on TV Fox, show. which is, um, again, it's in the future, but... <clears throat> I'm going to blame um, Ryan Murphy on a lot of this. Oh. <laughs> because of his... Uh, and there's a lot I could say about his awful misfires in American Horror Story, but he's definitely burgeoned in a very unfortunate age of horror television. And there's some good horror television out there. We can do episodes where we talk about it, but there is some crap <laughs> out there as well. The Exorcist television show on Fox will most likely be crap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Shortest, yeah, shortest thing I have to say on that, and I'll have to say more, I'm sure, when the film comes out. We don't need a Blair Witch sequel. I've highlighted in the previous podcast all the reasons Blair Witch is perfect on its own. Let it be. Let it be. As for standalone films, we're... And we might think of some while we're talking. One that came up, though, um, as for a standalone misfire, a concept that was great, but just completely missed the mark, was The Gallows. The Gallows. Um, Did it come out this summer or last summer? I think it was this summer. Last was summer. Was it last summer? Yeah. Because nothing's come out this summer. Nothing has come out. You're right. So it came oh. out last summer. Um, <clears throat> so much potential. I remember when uh, the trailer was first coming out and people were talking about it. It was creepy as fuck, that trailer. Yeah. It's about uh, a group of kids who sneak in uh, in the middle of the night into their high school auditorium where they are performing a play called The Gallows, which is kind of an unlucky play because last time it was performed at the school, a student died during the production because the gallows scene in question turned out to be a real noose and the child 
hung himself accidentally on stage in front of everyone. And it was horrifying. For some reason, the school's deciding to put this show back on. Mm-hmm. And this group of kids sneak in to sabotage the set because they don't feel like doing it. And they're doing it for school credit or something. And then they find themselves kind of tormented by something in the theater. And this is was so interesting because it played on the, the total superstitious side of theater kids because anyone who's done drama in in high school knows superstitious like us yes <laughs> um, we were, we're a superstitious bunch yeah you had rituals you obviously nobody mm-hmm. says Macbeth in a theater you had other things like different things you weren't allowed to say or do you you know everyone had a, a story about how their theater was haunted and somebody died in the theater and the catwalks or something like Theaters are very, and it's fascinating that universally they're very superstitious places. They're places that people constantly believe are haunted, constantly think are haunted. They're 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 total, they're perfect settings for horror, and I think that goes back to um, Phantom of the Opera. Yes, yeah, uh, a literally a a a spirit haunting an opera house. Yeah, like why like. They're just, they lend themselves really well to horror. And this, the gallows could have played on a lot of that very, very well. And they just kind of missed every opportunity to do that. Yeah. And because, again, they kind of over-mythologized. You find out the connection between the characters and what happened originally back when the, the show was first produced. Um, they kind of get separated and picked off. Like, there's some weird personal drama because one of the guys has a crush on one of the girls and it's like this teenage romantic drama and it's just there are so many standing superstitions around theater that you could play with that they completely ignored like something like Phantom of the Opera or saying Macbeth in a theater or something like that Uh but they made up their own story and while it was which was an interesting story it was it was a totally interesting story and like I do appreciate the backstory and how this boy died and and exactly what the connection is between the students but I also love the the standing superstitions and traditions of theater and standing horror stories that do take place in theaters and I think they're completely fascinating and this just didn't didn't live up no not at all so it was it was very disappointing what else we have anything else I'm trying to think of a standalone I had one and I thought I wrote it down but Oh, I know what it was. Okay. Um, you and I saw it in theaters, actually. Um, as above, as above so, so below. As above, so below. And the reason I bring this one up is because I thought the setting of the Paris Catacombs was such an interesting setting. Brilliant. <clears throat> like, and there was all these documentaries around that time about the cataphiles, about the catacombs, about people who hosted these strange, like, raves in the catacombs, people who went missing in the catacombs. Like, there's so much to work with. And instead, you had these weird, convoluted backstories about these characters who were hunting for, like, treasure or something in the catacombs. We ended up going, like, uh, a little bit, uh... Harry Potter, like Nicholas yeah. Flamel. Oh yeah, they were up. looking. They were looking for the philosopher's stone. The philosopher's stone, and and I was like, what? Yeah, no, it, it was very. 
Um, and that's, yeah. that happened even from the beginning. She was talking about it. And you're yeah. Like, so, yeah. That was, was our like first this, red flag. Yeah, this hunt for eternal life through the Philosopher's Stone that somehow turns into a horror movie about a group of filmmakers trapped in the Paris catacombs. Trapped catacombs and, and, and why they're trapped there. And it, yeah. it's like... And it tried to be some kind of psychological, like, Dante's Inferno, like, punishment place where they were presented with, like, wrongdoings in their past, but it was... Yeah, there's even that moment where... They crawl through the tunnel with like the inscription to hell. Yeah, yeah. There's like, literally oh. they take they take the inscription to hell from Dante's Inferno um, and uh, abandoned hope ye who enter here. Um, which you know, of course, they see that deep down in the Paris catacombs, and they're like, "Yeah, no, let's keep going." Yeah. I would be like, "Goodbye." Yeah. <laughs> but um, again, yeah, a classic. Like so much you could have done with that setting and that premise and. You missed out. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much, like, that exists even today with, like, the police trying to, like, close off these secret entrances to the catacombs, like, that are through, like, mailboxes or, like, subway crates or weird shit. And, like, people who have installed bars and theaters and have parties in these places and... And and all this other stuff and like there's there's this crazy viral video of this guy who supposedly got lost in the catacombs and these are the, like the last moments that, that like it was literally what people try to present to you in in um, found footage films is literally this tape of this guy who was supposedly lost and going crazy and chased by something and there's all this stuff and you you know you, and the, then <laughs> you use the draw of the setting and then use that to get people in the theater seats and then went and did your own thing. So, yeah. No thank you. No thank you. But um yeah, well we had we had some good laughs when we saw we it in the theater. I suppose you do. <laughs> I suppose you blue. So if nothing else we owe them that. Some fun inside jokes. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do we think? I mean, this could go on forever because I think there's a lot to be this said. This is true. Inspire. There's a lot to be said this about is This, though, is a list of land. stuff that uh, graded us graded us on a daily basis. And just and wanted to get that out there to you guys, you know? Yeah. Just might as well talk about it now so we don't have to talk about it later. And the point here is to say that the originals and the firsts in these were very good. It's just, for a lot of these franchises, it was the need to be a franchise, period, that killed them. Yeah. Um, which is something, you know, I think Hollywood knows. It's just dollar signs. I mean, and that's the thing with horror is it's a very lucrative genre because it has a huge niche market. Um, and anything I mean, in horror it, that's a it, pre-established title, people will see. Oh, yeah. We pay to see a lot of crap. Oh, yes. Um <laughs> You know, you, me, you guys listening. Oh, you know what's an interesting misfire, actually, is the first Purge. Yeah. The second one was very good. I haven't seen the, the second one. The second one yet. was really good. Definitely improved. I yeah. have not seen Election Year, but... Yeah, I'm the first not. one was very much... It was a home invasion movie disguised as something a little more unique. The second one was what everyone wanted. Wanted. That's what we all wanted from the first one. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the second one a lot. Um, I thought the trailers for the third one for election year look really good. 
It's literally a future if Donald Trump is elected president. It'll be the purge election year. <laughs> It'll be the purge election year. Buckle up, kids. Well, and I think they even say in the first one they like they give a timeline for it. Yeah, and they you use... figure out that the, the the purge started in 2017. Yeah, and which they... so uh, could be. And they do use, I think, like "Make America Great Again" at one point in the movie. I heard that that's like uttered or something. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a good one. The, the word. first one was kind of a misfire, but yeah. the second one uh, definitely Which improved. Gives you hope as well, even if your first go is not great. Yeah, um, sometimes sequels can can be redeeming. Sometimes they can. Few and far between. But yeah, I think that's yeah. I would say that about misfires. covers the misfires for now. Um, you know, <clears throat> we're not just you know we're not always going to be talking about what sucks. <laughs> it's just good we're to get not, that out of the way. We're also not going to be just talking about films. We got a list of movies yeah. or events or uh, books and plenty of other stuff. We're both big fans of uh, Until Dawn as well, so that probably will get talked about we'll at some point. Exciting. And Halloween's coming up in 70 asterisk days. Yes, 70 asterisk days, For according to... A little moment. bit less, but... Um, yeah. Um, coming up, see, we've... Um, I have the list. Well, we'll hopefully get a chance to review Don't Breathe. Yes. You guys, we will probably be reviewing um, Blair Witch in a couple weeks. No, I just it. said, oh, we're not going to just talk about what sucks. Well... We probably will for that. Um, yeah, what else do we have coming we've up? We've got, we're going to do, uh, we've got some discussions planned out, I think, for kind of horror literature and horror books, because that's yeah. another animal entirely, as I mentioned last time, than, than horror films. We've got plenty of stuff planned for October. Um, oh we are connoisseurs of the Halloween haunts and haunted houses, so we're probably going to have talks about that. There's, um horror video games i mean we're like i said we're both fans of until dawn silent hill is obviously something you know and at this point watching horror video game walkthroughs can be just as fun as watching a horror film yeah um that new uh augmented reality yeah, game yeah the, terrors basically uh pokemon go for horror fans that'll be something we definitely want to talk about um, but yeah, definitely look forward to our stuff coming up in October because we are super nerds when it comes to Halloween and everything about Halloween. So that will probably see a lot of, uh, a lot of talk. Oh, quite a, quite a lot. But, well, actually, why, why not? And then hmm. should we open up the, um, our unofficial poll? Oh yeah. So, um, <laughs> we, we'd like to do like every once in a while, uh, as per the internet's love of people getting inebriated and talking about things, we would love to open up the opportunity to you where we maybe down a bottle of wine or two and watch whatever B-horror movie you can possibly conjure up for us uh, and talk about it uh, in a great discussion. I've done a and few a drunk podcasts in my in my day about films, and it's a lot of fun. If you've seen Drunk History, you know 
<laughs> Anything about this could be fun. So if there is a B horror film out there that you would love to see us tackle, love to see, even if it's not even if you're like, hey, you've never seen. I don't. I can't think of a mainstream horror film I haven't seen. But if you think of one yeah. and want to send it to us, maybe you've seen. Um, I can't even think of one. Uh, who knows? Point is, you think of a movie you want us is, to watch, a horror film you want us to watch, and talk about a couple bottles deep. Send it to splatterchatter666 at gmail.com or tweet us at splatterchatter666 minus the vowels. But you can find us uh, just at splatterchatter. Send it in the ask box of splatterchatter.tumblr.com or do our personal Twitters at Melboy and at Craigers with two Gs. Um, any of those ways are appropriate if you really want want to want us to to do something and send it to all of them. <laughs> we will definitely get it. Um, but yeah, everyone loves a good old drunk podcast, so that's something we definitely and we definitely need in our lives. So yeah, so we'll have that coming up for you guys too. And I think, I, well, I guess now we'll we'll wrap it up. Yeah, uh, I think we I think we've had enough downers today for. We've had enough downers. <laughs> We've had enough downers. But to, we'll end on a high note in saying that um, if you guys aren't excited for the movie Don't Breathe, get excited. Yeah. Uh, check out good. the trailers. We're excited. Hopefully we'll get a chance to see that this coming weekend and get a review out to you guys soon. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I'm very pumped about that. Um, and for reasons that we discussed in our previous podcast for what we're most excited about coming out in the last four months or so of this year, um, yeah, and next time I promise, well, I don't promise for all we know, it could be awful, but <laughs> the hope <laughs> is we don't talk about what sucks. Um, right, right. So, no, yeah. we won't. No, we, we won't. On well, that, at least not the whole time. <laughs> it's constructive criticism. That's right. Looking we we love all the first Blair ones. <laughs> Looking at you, Blair Witch. Looking at you, Blair Witch. All right. Well, I think that that about wraps it up. Yeah. So. Adios. Adios. Kiddos. Thanks for listening. Das Vidanya. Yeah. <laughs>